Hello and welcome to the European Hoops Podcast. We are a Sports Eaters presentation. We bring you all the coverage you need of the EuroLeague. We recap and preview all the action and cover all the news surrounding the competition. Join us on this ride and learn more about some of the best basketball played in the world. Make sure you don't miss any episodes by subscribing to the podcast and follow us on Twitter at Eaters EuroLeague. Today we are heading to Istanbul. Diogo, are you ready to break down Fenerbahce? Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, one of the best teams in EuroLeague the, the past couple of years. Uh, they had a, a somewhat up and down season, but uh, they have an elite roster, so I can't wait to see what they do next year. Let, let's talk about it. Indeed, Fenerbahce had their golden years in the EuroLeague under the legendary Obradovic, becoming the first Turkish team to reach the EuroLeague finals and uh, later winning their first title in 2017. Currently, the club is undergoing a revamp under Dimitris Itoudis. This season, Fenerbahce started the regular season strongly, leading the standings for in the first few months. However, they couldn't maintain their momentum and uh, finished the regular season in 8th place. They faced Olympiacos in an intense 5-game playoff series, but they lost to the team that ended the regular season in first place. Fenerbahce ended the season with a plus 2.2 night rating, ranking 8th in both offensive and offensive rating. With these rankings, with them finishing the regular season in 8th place, with uh, them ranking in 8th place in offensive rating, in the 8th place in offensive rating, I want to ask you, Duke, was Fenerbahce truly the 8th best team in the EuroLeague, or do you feel that they underperformed? Yeah, I definitely feel like overall they, they did underperform a little bit. Uh, injuries in the second half of the season did have something to do with that. But uh, regardless of, of those injuries, they, they have such an elite roster that uh, I feel that they should have been way better. Because if you look at that roster, you obviously wouldn't say that they're an 8th seed because they have so much talent. They have a great coach. So obviously the injuries have something to do with it, but uh, they can't use it as an excuse. Um, but uh, anyways, they, they do have a great coach. I, I like Itudis a lot. He, he makes adjustments. He's experienced and the, all, all the players respect him. So I think that's very important. They have depth and they have guys who are very versatile, uh, especially uh, Nigel Hayes-Davis, Deshaun Pierre, uh, Motley can either play the four or the five. Uh, I do think they need to upgrade uh, at the point guard position and at center. Uh, at the point guard position, they could either they play Wilbekin at the point and they have been using him as a shooting guard. So I think he would be better running the point for them uh, or you have if you want to play Kaladis at the point you got to find a center that can shoot because if you have Kaladis and you have a center that doesn't shoot then what happens is what happened in the series against Olympiakos uh, they'll fall will just be in the paint and because Kaladis is not an offensive threat uh, fall can just be in there uh, disturbing the entire offense and the big is not a threat to shoot So that offense really struggled in the playoffs because of that. The, they have the depth, they have the talent, but uh, I think they should. their biggest concern should be how those pieces fit together. And uh, I think that was the, the biggest problem this season, uh, other than the, the injuries, of course. But uh, I do think they have the potential to figure it out and, and to make it work next year. I think you are just on point about what they need to address during this offseason. I think Coach Itudis is one of the, the best coaches and we will have the opportunity to talk about him. But I think he's one of the best coaches in the EuroLeague and he will be able to create a roster or to work with a roster and the pieces that they already have in place to be very competitive. And I think Fenerbahce will be fighting for titles in the, the following seasons. I, I made you the question about... Uh, they are underperforming and I do think that they underperformed especially when they added Dorsey I thought at that moment that they would be in the contention to be the best roster of the whole EuroLeague but what happened wasn't just uh, they underperforming as players it was also Bielica was unable to contribute for this team Wilbekin was injured in the decisive part of the season 
Um, they had a series of situations that uh, made their extremely strong roster not giving them those options. And you're speaking about spacing. And that was one thing that uh, a player like Bielitsa would be able to add to them. They could go to him at, at the five. And while probably they don't want to do it for extended periods of time, it will be another weapon on their arsenal that uh, they saw it's taken away from, from them. I, we don't know at this point if Bielitsa will be able to come back and have a, a, a good... Uh, full strength season ahead of him but um, I agree that that's uh, one of their biggest needs they will certainly be adding talent and uh, continuity will be a big thing for this team we kept hearing Coach this saying over and over again but it was a new coaching staff most of the players were new and uh, continuity will be a big thing for this team they have the talent I think they are already one of the most talented rosters of the EuroLeague they will certainly add to it and if they are able to with the internal improvement that I think will be normal with continuity plus if they are able to address some of the things that you just mentioned uh, i think there will be strong contenders for next season and for the seasons moving forward but now it's time for us to focus on Fenerbahce key players and we will start with the player that we consider the most valuable i think i can speak for both of us in the beginning of the season i wouldn't have guessed that i would be, be making this pick right now but our mvp for Fenerbahce was nigel hayes davis the 6 8 28 years old american forward was on his fourth EuroLeague season, his first with Fenerbahce after playing for Jalgiris and Barcelona. This season, Hayes Davis, known for his defensive ability, made significant strides on the offensive end of the court. In 29 minutes per game, he averaged 10.5 points, 4.4 rebounds, 1.5 assists and 1.2 steals per game. His best performance of the season came in the round 33, a crucial win for Fenerbahce playoffs aspirations, where he was named the MVP of the game with 26 points, 4 rebounds, Four assists and one steal. Duke, we both admire Nigel Hayes Davis and we agree that uh, he has become a uh, Euroleague star this season. However, do you think that he has the potential to be uh, the MVP of a championship level uh, team in the Euroleague? I, mean, I don't know about MVP because he doesn't have that that superstar natural talent you know you know what I'm saying uh, to, to be in those conversations but I, I think in terms of value for sure because in my opinion he, he might be the, the best two-way player in the game uh, his improvements offensively this year were crazy uh, I mean you certainly remember when we were watching games live and we were just commentating on our group chat uh, about who is this offensive player Nigel <laughs> Hayes Davis because obviously he was he was most known for his defensive ability but uh, he made great improvements this year and uh, I, I do think he was the most improved player this season and uh, he's just so versatile he can play the, the three the four he can defend whoever you put in front of him uh, he's very good on the low post he I mean he can shoot he, he he's become a very good shooter he's intense he, he's aggressive I mean everything about his game is just amazing for for this level so uh, I can't wait uh, I mean uh, I can't wait to see him continue to to grow and develop his game because if he keeps this up he, he can for sure be in the conversations for one of the best players in Euroleague uh, I just like he doesn't have that uh, superstar talent like a, a Mike James you know or a Will Clyburn but you can clearly see the way he's been improving offensively, he, he can impact the game like not many others can do, for sure. And this is not a knock on uh, Nigel in any way, shape or form. 
I do no, think that, that's a praise, honestly. <laughs> exactly. This I, I do think that he can be the most valuable player of a, a championship roster in the sense of what he adds to the game. I don't think yeah. that he can be a first offensive option in the uh, roster and um, a championship team. But exactly. I think he can be the player that adds more overall on the on the floor. And we saw the way that he played defensively in the playoffs against the MVP of the EuroLeague. He was amazing at it, and he was still able to contribute on the other side of the floor, making him a unique player. And I'm uh, like you, I'm looking forward to see what steps come next for him and uh, the way that he will be contributing on the next season for sure it will be exciting to to see him being one of the stars of the EuroLeague moving forward yeah and, and playing like 40 minutes a game so that's kind of crazy yeah that's crazy <laughs> And I mentioned the game that uh, they had against uh, against Efes and later on this episode, I'll be mentioning the same game for another player and the ability <laughs> that those players had to step up and to perform. And like we just spoke, they had uh, problems, like Bielitsa wasn't able to, to contribute. And he was supposed to be their best forward this season. And uh, he wasn't available. And uh, Nigel and Pierre, but Nigel in, in a whole new level. That's why for us, he's the MVP of this team. They just step up and they, they were able to play 40 minutes when they had to. They were able to defend. They yeah. were able to, to be the ones performing offensively. And that's absolutely incredible. And he deserves all the praises and deserves to be the, considered the most improved player of the EuroLeague, as you had just cited Hold for on. you, he uh, was. Are you talking about Kawhi and Paul George? For a moment, I was, <laughs> I was confused there. Yeah, that was just on point. Pierre and uh, Nigel were what Kawhi and Paul George were supposed to be for the Clippers, as you had said on this podcast, and that's absolutely on point. But uh, let's continue and let's discuss other key players for this Fenerbahce team, starting with Jonathan Motley. He was the leader of this team in performance index rating for this season. The 28-years-old 6'9 American big man was on his rookie season in the EuroLeague and he averaged 14.5 points, 5.4 rebounds, 1.6 assists, 0.6 steals and 0.4 blocks per game. Motley had several outstanding performances for Fenerbahce throughout the season with his MVP performance in the round 19 against Bayern being one of the highlights. In that game, he recorded impressive 22 points, 17 rebounds and one assist and one steal. Duke, how do you envision Motley improving as he enters on his second EuroLeague season and after this uh, experience uh, in his rookie season yeah I think this season was very important for him uh, obviously he was able to to produce but uh, I think he can take a step forward in terms of impact and uh, winning because he's good in, in low post scoring like in the paint he's a decent rebounder he's athletic but uh, I think he needs to be able to to shoot the ball and at least in the mid-range uh, better uh, because obviously like we mentioned the the spacing problem with Fenerbahce's offense I think if he takes that step forward he's still young he can still develop he has time so I, I think if he were capable of spacing the floor, he would take this team to a whole nother level. And uh, I'm looking at him to be the guy who, who improves the most on this roster for next season. So uh, hopefully he, he responds and he's able to, to be uh, even more important than he was this season for, for them next year. So we'll see what happens. But I, I do think he has the, the most space to grow as a player. So uh, I'm very curious to see how he comes back next year. 
he always shown to have the right mentality that uh, he was willing to learn. He was uh, very, seemed to be a very coachable player. He kept referring across the season that he was filling big uh, shoes, uh, vessel shoes, that um, he was humble enough to know that he needs to work hard to become a good player. I think he had an excellent season. I think he had a very good rookie season in the EuroLeague and I think he will have very big seasons ahead and that's what's so promising about this uh, Fenerbahce group with players like Nigel and Motley that uh, are performing this very high level with them having the ability of getting extra contributions of uh, players that they can add to this roster or even players that they already have on the roster but weren't available on the decisive moments. It's very makes this team very exciting and I think Motley is a, a big part of what they will be doing moving forward. But let's move on to a player who played a vital role for this Fenerbahce team this season. Uh, we have Marco Guduric, a 6'6 Serbian player. He was on his 7th EuroLeague season and uh, it uh, was his 5th season with Fenerbahce after spending the first 2 EuroLeague seasons with Red Star. During the season, Guduric averaged 12.3 points, 3.2 assists, 3 rebounds, 0.9 steals per game. He made uh, numerous clutch plays throughout uh, the whole season, but uh, his standout performance came on the Game 5 of the playoffs where he scored 26 points, including shooting 8 of 12 from behind the arc. Duke, how significant was Guduric's contribution for this team's success the, during this 2022-2023 uh, EuroLeague season? Yeah, he, he was very important because obviously you mentioned that Game 5, he was the only player on Fenerbahce's team to, to hit a 3 and that's kind of crazy. That's a crazy stat, <laughs> but uh, he did hit 8 of them, so that's pretty good for him. Uh, I think he's a very good shooter. He, he He's a good scorer overall. Uh, obviously, I think he needs to improve his right hand, uh, obviously driving to the right because he's great going left, but he, he's not the best at it going right. And I think that would add so much to his offensive game, turn him into a more complete player. Uh, I think he, he does need to improve on the playmaking skills because it seems like he's always looking to score. And I think if he would add uh, a facilitating aspect to his game, uh, he would be such a, a better player, uh, which is a, a great one already. Don't get me wrong. But uh, in terms of like their team's uh, offensive problem, especially in the half-court offense, I think that would unlock a lot if he, was, if he could turn into a passer when, once he decides to. But uh, I do think he was very good for them this season. Um, when some guys were hurt, he, he stepped up and, and he became one of the most important players for them, of course. And we saw that in Game 5, the way he was clearly their best player on that game. Uh, so he, he's very important for them and they do have him under contract. So it's going to be very interesting to see what they do together for the next few years. And we'll be here for that. I think he was extremely important for them and uh, this reminded me of conversations that we had had many times on off and we can bring it here to the podcast about what was the best closing five for Fenerbahce yeah. and uh, we were always ending up on Guduric and uh, who should be there. I can go first and for me I think it was Dorsey, Guduric, Nigel, uh, Pierre and Motley and of course we are leaving Wilbekin out that probably <laughs> doesn't make sense but I think Guduric <laughs> performed at that level and uh, performed in crunch time at that level and I think for this season he was a deserving closing five player and I just think that uh, Dorsey has more defensive tools more size than uh, Wilbekin and that's why I'm giving him the note over Wilbekin. Would you have Guduric also in this uh, fictitious closing five for Fenerbahce? Uh, I think it would be tough for me to to leave Wilbekin out. Uh, so I, I think it would, depending on how the game was going until that closing uh, time, whoever was better between the two, uh, or maybe depending on the matchup, 
but I definitely think it would be between those six players uh, with the fifth being or Dorsey like Dorsey, Goodrich and Wilbekin two of them uh, but it would be a hard decision and I think it would be depending on matchups and how the game was going but uh, by the way and you mentioned how Goodrich was able to, to come up clutch and, and be so important for them we talk about the, the game 5 he had but uh, on game 3 when Lucas hit that, that game winning 3 <laughs> Goodrich actually made the shot to give Fenerbahce the lead right before that. So Absolutely. obviously he, he was amazing for them. So he, he deserves uh, the, the extension and, and hopefully we'll see him, him and Fenerbahce being even better next year. By sheer talent by itself, I I, have, oh, I do agree with you about the closing five. Uh, and there are even machinations that you can make with um, playing all the three guards with Wilbekin, Dorsey and Goodrich all playing at the same time and uh, sitting Pierre, for example. Just in terms of performance this season, I think Goodrich uh, did deserve and he was indeed a crucial player for this uh, Fenerbahce team. But I, I absolutely agree with you in terms of it will be between yeah, these six and- players. And the, the, my point yeah. here is just how, how well Goodrich played. Yeah, absolutely. And guys, you can trust us. We we took a lot of time discussing this closing fight for <laughs> Fenerbahce. We went through every option possible. So trust us. We, we were, it was very hard because they have a very good roster indeed. Yeah, and that just shows how good this roster is because you're not even considering a player like Bielitz that in the beginning of the season for sure will be part of this closing five. It's a very deep roster and I can't wait to be pre- viewing these teams next season because it's one of the teams I'm the most excited about. When they lost Game 5 with Olympiacos, for me in that moment they became my early favorites. Of course, it's way too early to make those predictions, but my early favorites for next season. It's the, it's just one of those spots where um, I come back from that moment and having a coach like Itudis to put you in the position to come back from that moment a team with the talent, with the players, with the improvements we saw, a second season for players like uh, Motley, a second season with Udis, a second season. Uh, I I think that uh, there is a lot of potential for this uh, Fenerbahce team and uh, these players will be a big part of it. But let's continue to break down the players and another player who played an incredible important role for this team and we just spoke about him, but unfortunately dealt with some injuries during the crucial moments of the season is Scotty Wilbekin, the 6'2", 30 years old American guard with Turkish passport was on his seventh EuroLeague season. He joined Fenerbahce after spending the previous four seasons with Maccabi. Wilbekin finished the season with an average of 11.1 points, 2.6 assists, one steal per game, playing almost 24 minutes per game. His best performance of the season came on round 20 during a close home victory against Monaco where Wilbekin contributed with 21 points, 5 assists and 3 rebounds. Duke, do you think we will see Wilbekin making an even great, greater impact on his second season with Fenerbahce? Uh, I'm hopeful for that, uh, but uh, for that to happen, uh, I, I think he needs to, to get back to being a point guard. And obviously that's not his decision, but uh, I think he, he plays better and he helps the team more if he is playing as a point guard because as a two, uh, the scoring is always going to be there. Don't get me wrong, because he's that talented and, and that good of a scorer. But um, in terms of being a playmaker, I think playing the two and with a, a point guard like Nick Kalaitis, with the ball is in his hands a lot of the time playing pick and roll. And uh, obviously teams give Nick Kalaitis space, so he, he's going to have a couple of open shots. And I feel that I feel that if Wilbekin was playing point and having the ball in his hands most of the time would benefit Fenerbahce and would help us to, to really see how great of a player Wilbekin is because I, I feel like this was a, a season where he was a bit... Uh, I'm not going to say he was bad, but um, 
Uh, I think when we saw Wilbekin is going to play in Fenerbahce, uh, I think for me at least, I had expectations of it being a, a great season, not only for him, but for the team. And uh, obviously because of injuries as well. But uh, I didn't expect him to be playing the two as much as he did. So hopefully he gets back to, to being a point guard because I feel like where he thrives the most is playing point guard. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's another weapon that this Fenerbahce team has. Before we continue and we discuss the last player in this episode, I want to give a shout out to players like Alates, Jericki, Booker, Dorsey, Edwards and Bielitsa, who all played important roles on this roster. I especially want to highlight the 25-year-old Carson Edwards, who had a reduced role, but he showed glimpses of his potential during the playoffs. And maybe not with Fenerbahce, but uh, at the EuroLeague level, I think he has a chance to, to become a, a good player at the EuroLeague level. And for some reason, he didn't thrive within this Fenerbahce roster, but uh, he's a player that I wanted to highlight as being a player that we should keep an eye on because he has some potential to become a relevant player within the EuroLeague. But now let's talk about Dashan Pierre, the 6'6", 29-years-old Canadian forward. He was on his third EuroLeague season, all of them with Fenerbahce. He averaged 20 minutes per game the, this season with uh, having a notable 40 minutes game later in the season that uh, you were making reference to before. Pierre contributed with uh, 7.2 points, 3.8 rebounds, and 1.6 assists per game. His best performance of the season also came in that uh, 40 minutes game, and it was in a crucial matchup against uh, their rival Efes in the round 33, where he scored 17 points, grabbed 8 rebounds, and dished 1 assist. Duke, having both Pierre and Nigel Hayes-Davis as forwards is undoubtedly a luxury to have, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. Like when you talk about today's game being a, a wings game, and obviously that's a term that's more used in the NBA, but but still, uh, I think wor worldwide uh, wings ha are at the, the top of their level right now. And having two guys like that, I mean, it's just a, a whole different level. And being as versatile and as complete as they are, they both are. I think Fenerbahce really has a <clears throat> a chance to to build something great around these two. So hopefully we'll see that next year. But uh, about Deshaun Pierre, man, he's just so strong. Uh, similarly to Nigel Hayes-Davis, he can play very well in the low post. Uh, obviously, them playing the three and the four um, at the same time, they, they are interchangeable. They sometimes get smaller guys on them and they definitely take advantage of that. Uh, in the playoff series, they struggled a lot because, like I mentioned earlier, Fall was right there in the paint. But that's a problem that the, the team has to address, getting a, a, sh a, a, sh a shooting big. But uh, when it comes to those two men, just elite two-way two -way game. They both are good offensively. They both are good defensively. Uh, about Pierre, I just I think he can improve uh, in his ball handling abilities in terms of like being a, a better player one on one uh, facing the basket because he's very good with his back to back to the basket. But uh, I think if he can improve his one on one game facing the basket, his game would go to another level and he would give Fenerbahce different looks in the half court offense on five on five. So I think that would be very good for him and for the team. Absolutely. And to wrap up this episode. Let's talk about coach Dimitris Yutudis. The 52-year-old Greek coach is uh, one of the best in Europe, having been award awarded the EuroLeague Coach of the Year in 2016 and 2019, both years when he led the, his team to the EuroLeague Championship as a head coach. Prior to his head coach, Shusais Itudis was part of uh, Coach Obradovic coaching staff at Paratinaikos, where they all won the EuroLeague five times between 2000 and 2011. Currently, in addition to coaching 
Fenerbahce to this also serves as the head coach of the Greek national team. Dio, what would you like to highlight about Coach Itoudis? Uh, I'm going to pick on the, the fact that you just brought up about him being under Obradovic for a couple of years. <laughs> I think that is a, 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 that's always a plus. Uh, we talked about uh, Partizan in one of the previous episodes and how great of a coach Obradovic was. So obviously being under him to, to be able to learn and then like giving it your own flavor like Itudis has done I think it's a great thing to have he's obviously one of the best coach, coaches in EuroLeague uh, obviously also coaching the Greek national team He is a coach that makes adjustments when it's needed. He, he's experienced the, all the players respect him. I think he's a very good leader for any team he's on. And I, I really think that he can make something great happen with this Fenerbahce roster. Uh, unfortunately, this year that didn't happen and injuries played a, a, a role in that. So if they are healthy next year and if they make these adjustments about getting a, a, a big deck and shoot or getting Wilbekin back to the point guard position, which I believe uh, Itudis will be uh, able to make those adjustments adjustments uh, i think they can be uh, a serious threat for the for the title and uh, we'll see what happens but itudis is for sure one of the best coaches in europe no doubt about it i mean not in europe i'll say in the world for sure i agree with you 100 and that's get you just got to my point If I had to make a prediction, I think Itudis will have some club success with Fenerbahce and I think there is a title in the, the future of this Fenerbahce team under Itudis and uh, then I can totally see him heading into the NBA and this is not a discussion about what's better what's different type of basketball the court is different, the rules are different but uh, we see, we have a lot of talented European coaches and uh, sometimes we see some European coaches not striving at the NBA level they do thrive mostly as assistant coaches as a head coach it's like a tough market for, for European coaches it has been like that and I think it too this besides the, the genius and besides the, the ability to, to coach at the highest level I think he has a personality as well and I think he can succeed at, a, at the NBA level if he gets that a chance at some point but in the short term I see this Fenerbahce team under it too this to, to succeed as a, at the early level and I don't know if they will be champions but I'm confident that they'll be fighting for it in the, this, the next seasons and, Absolutely. and with this we conclude another episode of the European Hoops podcast stay tuned for more team recaps every Monday and Wednesday followed by our coverage of the World Cup leading up to the start of the EuroLeague season subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Twitter at Itos EuroLeague where we bring you any news that break about the competition must watch games injury reports and our daily trades in the end of each day of the competition bringing you all the highlights of the action my name is Andre and I'll be seeing you guys soon bye guys See you on the next episode.